Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Good evening, Rock Church. It's always a, a, a wonderful time for me to stand here. And firstly, I just want to greet you in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then also greet you in the name of our pastors, Kate and Ali, who are not with us for the next three months. So they're on sabbatical. If you are new to the church, you've just started visiting us, um, just know that our pastors are on sabbatical. They'll be back in about three months. But do you know what? I realized, just thinking about it this week, it's actually a good time, if you're new to us, to actually get to know us. Because when you get to know the sons and daughters of a family, you can actually tell how their parents are. So by meeting the sons and daughters of Kate and Ali, who are all the congregants of this church, you're actually meeting them as well. So when you come to a point where you think, do you know what, do I want to join that church? then your first instinct should be to know the people there are so fantastic. The way they serve is actually where I want to be. So be welcome if it's your first time, second time, third time, or hundredth time, as in the case of some of us. I just hope that you have a good time with us this evening. So off the back of that, let me start my sermon. So there's a parable of a wild duck. Am I saying it right? Duck? I just don't know how sometimes some people say duck I say duck told by the Danish philosopher Kierkegaard one wild duck was flying with his mates across northern Europe and during the flight this duck left the others to land in a barnyard where there were other tame ducks he enjoyed the corn he stayed for an hour then he stayed for a day then for a week and then for a month he enjoyed the corn and the safety of the barnyard. So he decided to stay for the entire summer. But one autumn day, when the flock of wild ducks were winging their way southward again, they passed over the barnyard, and their mate heard their cries. He was stirred with a strange thrill of joy and delight, and with a great flapping of his wings, he rose in the air to join his comrades. But he found that his good life had made him soft and heavy and he could no longer rise in the air. So he dropped back again down to the barnyard and said to himself, oh well, my life here is safe and the food is good. So every spring and every autumn when he heard the other wild ducks honking, his eyes would gleam for a moment to get excited and he'd begin to flap his wings. But finally, the day came when the ducks flew over him and uttered their cry, and he paid not the slightest attention to them. And that story is about how the soul can forget its high ideals. We sometimes, we can forget who we are in Christ, and we forget the standards that Christ has set for us. 
and we become content with lower things, unfortunately. The greatest danger to a believer in Jesus is to become content with lower standards. The danger is to become half-hearted in living for Jesus. And in the book of Judges, we have a clear picture of what happens when God's people settle for low standards and become content with a life of compromise. So, I'm going to read out of Judges 1, verse 27 to 36. If you have your Bibles with me, you can turn there. Verse 27. Now, you must understand, let me just give some context to the, to the story. So, this is after the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua, they just entered the promised land, and they'd driven out some of the inhabitants. Okay, and Joshua had now passed away, and there's now no real leader amongst the Israelites. So, what God does is eventually he raises up these judges, men and women, at the time to lead his people. So, in Judges 1, it goes like this. But Manasseh did not drive out the people of Beth Shan, or Tanakh, or Dor, or Ibliam, or Megiddo, and the surrounding settlements. For the Canaanites were determined to live in that land. When Israel became strong, they pressed the Canaanites into forced labor, but never drove them out completely. Nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites living in Geza, but the Canaanites continued to live there among them. Neither did Zebulun drive out the Canaanites living in Kiron or Nahalot. So these Canaanites lived among them, but Zebulun did subject them to forced labor. Nor did Asher drive out those living in Echo or Sidon, or Alab, or Akzib, or Helba, or Afek, or Rehob. The Asherites lived among the Canaanite inhabitants of the land because they did not drive them out. Neither did Naphtali drive out those living in Beth Shemesh or Beth Anath, but the Naphtalites too lived among the Canaanite inhabitants of the land, and those living in Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath became forced laborers for them. So the story goes on about this. And these are all the tribes of Israel. So what's happening here? This actually, the Israelites moved into the promised land, which is a victory for them. But the victory is not a complete victory. God had told them in the, in, in the, 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 the book of Joshua, when you come into the land, you're to utterly drive out the inhabitants thereof. You're not to make any covenant of peace with them. You're not to dwell together and try to coexist with them in peaceful terms. Utterly drive them out was the command of God. But here is a failure on their part to obey the voice of God. God had told them specifically what they had to do. But to them, it wasn't good enough. They decided to do their own thing. There is doubt, 
and they've now started to rationalize amongst themselves about what they think is good enough. They no doubt thought, if we allow these people to stay here, actually we want to be on friendly terms with them. They'll be strengthened by us, we can be strengthened by them, and we can then live together peaceful, peaceably. We can coexist together. and They can be our servants. They can cut our wood for us and gather our crops. They can build our buildings and we'll just use them. Whatever the rationale was behind it, it was still contrary to what God had instructed for them. Now many times in our own minds, what God has required or what God has commanded us doesn't seem to be for our best interest. We think about it. We think, you know what, God, that's hard. You're telling me that I shouldn't be friends with that person anymore, that I should cut off this relationship. I can maybe, we can maybe just continue being friends. We can continue dating. There's no harm. There's no foul. So we start to tell ourselves, did God really say cut them off completely? It often seems that we can figure out a better plan than what God has for our lives. And we are often guilty, as were the children of Israel, of not completely obeying the commands of God because we don't understand initially why God said do that thing. So because we don't understand, we don't want to do it. Or we don't want to do it completely. And this is why the title of my sermon is, I don't know why it's not on there, but the title is to finish what he started. Because God has started a work. If you are born again, then he has started a work in you. And it's up to you to finish what he has started. Pastor Ali, when he did his last preach, he, sp he spoke about pressing on. You know, but pressing on, but in Philippians, about your inner race. And you don't have to, don't keep looking backwards, but you strive for what's ahead of us. And this is what God wants for you. He wants you to keep the, your eyes on the prize that's ahead of you and not compromise with what is behind you or what's right next to you right now. Because what's behind you and what's next to you right now might not be good for you. Only God knows what's best for you. Whether it makes sense to you or it doesn't, it's important that you obey the commandments of God because God always knows what's best. Now, the commandment to completely exterminate the people seems, seems cruel. It seems, I mean, I can't even comprehend God saying, you know what, if you go there, kill everybody. That's, it doesn't make any sense. It seems entirely cruel. It's harsh, it's cruel, and who can actually comprehend doing something like that? But in disobeying God, they brought more problems upon themselves than when they started out. 
more problems. And this is the problem that we have. If you don't completely do what God has told you to do, eventually you find you have more issues in your life. That person that you didn't want to cut out of your life becomes such a stumbling block for you that eventually you find yourself not even serving God because they've placed these things over your life. They've encouraged you to walk away from God. It's so difficult. You can't see it now. But God knows what's best for you. In the story, the author uses the phrase, did not drive out. Did not drive out. Seven times he keeps saying it. Did not. Instead of, could not. And this is the most damning aspect of this account. That they didn't do it. It's not to say they couldn't do it. They could do it. Because all the time that God um, he carried them out of Egypt, they knew that God could do miraculous works for them. He parted the Red Sea. He parted the Jordan. The walls of Jericho came down. God did so many things for them. They knew God can do these things. They knew it. You know God can do these things. We all know that God has carried us through so many things. He can, if he says he'll do it, he'll do it. But we choose not to do things when God says it. The issue is not that they couldn't do it. The issue is that they did not want to do it. The Canaanites were their pagan gods, their attractive daughters, because you always find the, the Israelites marrying the Canaanite women, so I'm sure they had attractive daughters, and strong sons would now stay in the land and inhabit the land God had given Israel. So now what you find, you have these false gods in this way, the promised land, and the Israelites are now in the promised land. So they've got, now got their altars to the Lord, but where they have the altars to the Lord, they also have altars to foreign gods. In your life, you can't have an altar to God and next to the altar of God, have an altar to a foreign god. Be careful what altars are in your life because God is a jealous God. He only wants you to serve him and him alone. But we set up God's altar and we set up other altars around him so then on a Sunday you come to church and you serve and you praise and worship but on a Monday you serve and you break bread at a different altar be careful about the false altars that's in your life my message today it's about being half-hearted Christian. The half-hearted Christian ends up playing games with God. That's, that's the reality. The half-hearted Christian ends up playing games. We make a pretense of following God. But deep down, it's only a half-hearted commitment. It's not for real. So let's look at the four games we play when we are not really committed to being obedient to God. The first game we play 
is called, let's make a deal. The first game we play, you can't make deals with the devil's crowd. You can't. You will lose every time. Every time you think it's okay to make a deal with the devil, you will lose. You might get immediate temporary benefits, but the long run for your life is disaster. Many Christians, many of us are playing that game. Let's make a deal. Don't give your whole life to Jesus. Just a part of your life. Don't live every day for Jesus. Just live on a Sunday for God. That's a half-hearted Christian. You, you choose when you serve him. When you're with the, with the believers, when we are with the believers, we are on fire. But when we're at our jobs, we are different. We are no more Bible-believing. We no more speak the word of God when you're at work or with friends who don't serve God. But when we're at church, we are different. Don't be a half-hearted Christian. That's not what God wants for you. He wants you to be a whole Christian. He wants you to be on fire for him and him alone. So what's the second game that we play? The second game we play is called Let's settle for less. You find in these scriptures that this is what happens to the Israelites. They began to settle for something short of complete. They only did the job halfway. They attacked the Canaanites, then left them. Or they decided, no, we're not going to do anything. They drove out the mountaineers, but they could not drive out the inhabitants of the lowlands because they found eventually those guys had chariots of iron. So they thought, no, we can't destroy these guys because they are stronger than us. So they, they, they decided, no, let's only concentrate on the ones that don't have these additional weaponry. The mountains are nice, but let's allow them in the valleys. Let's, let's leave them alone. This is what we do sometimes. We settle for less than what God has put out for us. God has got a complete victory. He's got everything for you. The Bible says he's given you everything for life and godliness. He's given you everything, not some things. He's given you everything. But it's up to you about how you live your life, about what benefits do you actually want from God. Some of it, do you only want some things? Or do you want everything? I know I want everything that God has in store for me. Not some things, everything. But the thing is also, God can't give you everything at once. Do you know that? If you have kids, and you know you're going to give your child everything in life, but your child is five years old, you buy that five-year-old a car because they're not ready for it, are they? If that five-year-old gets in the car, it's going to cause damage. So you can't give it to them. You've got to give it to them when they are ready for it. And that's the same thing with the God that we serve. He can't give you everything right now because you are not ready for some blessings that he has in store for you. You can only give it to you when you are more mature. If you're waiting on a partner, 
He can't give you that partner right now because you're not ready for that partner right now. So you have to wait for when you are ready and mature to have a partner. Do you know what? When I first started dating my wife, well, I wasn't dating her yet. I met her and I was, um, you know how guys are? You know, I want that girl. I, I want that girl, Lord. And then I went home one evening and I said, Lord, do you know what? I want, I want that girl. I want her. You know, and, and I was convinced, you know, this is, this is the woman I want. And then God spoke to me and he said, Roderick, you are not ready for her. There were so much things in my life which I had to deal with. And if I had to start dating her at that time, I could have spelled disaster for the both of us. I wasn't ready. And you might not be ready for some of the blessings that God has in store for you. It's not to say he won't give it to you. But you have to walk the path that, the path that he has laid out for you. Another game that we play is called Let's Cash In. I love that, that um, old games, you know, um, on TV where it says, do you want the money or you want the box? Uh, I don't know if you guys had it here, but we had it in South Africa. Money or the box. So you got the box, and then you got the money. And you can see what the money is. The money is, is out there. It's a thousand pounds and you think to yourself, do you know what? What's in the box might not be worth a thousand pounds. I'll go for the thousand pounds. And that's called cashing in. You see, it was well known. Who wants to be a millionaire? The guy comes in, he's, he's, he's on 50,000 pounds or 100,000 pounds. And um, he gets this question. The question is difficult. He thinks he has the answer, but he's not convinced that it's the right answer. So then what he does is, cashes in. He says, I'll take the money. Give me the money. But if he had just played on, he could have gotten so much more. But we play this game of let's cash in in our Christian walk. You know, we think to ourselves, do you know what? And, and this is what the Israelites probably thought. What good would it be if the Canaanites were dead? They're no use to anybody dead. But they'll be used to us if they're alive. So they think to themselves, you know what, if we keep them alive, we can benefit from them. They cashed in. They made money of them. They forced them to become slaves. So they profit. The Israelites profited from their disobedience to God. Their lack of commitment to drive out the inhabitants cause them to cash in on the profits of slavery. But their profits would be short-lived. They thought they were getting by by allowing the Canaanites and their pagan lifestyles to coexist. The Bible says that there is pleasure in sin. And we know that. There's pleasure in sin. But it's only for a season. Sin, the pleasure of sin, is only for a season. And there are sometimes profits to be made in the life of disobedience. But it is short-lived. Today, money is not the only thing people cash in. Do you know what's more important than money? Time. 
having time to do what you want, whenever you want, and with whomever you want, is like having money in the bank to people. If there's one thing God demands of his people, it is their time. It takes time to listen and meditate on God's word. It takes time to pray. It takes time to go out of the way and share the gospel with others. It takes time. The work of sanctification in your life takes time. The work of training up a child in the way the Lord wants takes time. The work of discipleship takes time. But you know what we do? We cash in our time. We use the Sunday to sometimes make extra money. I've had so many days when I was out of you know, line and backslidden where my work when they say, do you know what? Can you work on a Sunday? I'll work on a Sunday. Why? Because it's overtime. I'll get paid for working overtime on a Sunday. So I don't go to church. I go to work. I sometimes think to myself, do you know what? I can sleep in today on a Sunday, not go to church or not go to prayer meeting. I can sleep in, get extra bit of sleep. I can take a vacation. Time, time is so valuable to God. But we cash it in on the wrong things. Do you find time to pray? Do you find time to go through the word of God? Or do you cash in your time for something else? The last game that we play is called compromise. In verse 33 it says, they dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. So what is bad about that? They compromised. They decided to themselves, you know what? God said this, but no, we're going to do something else. In our hearts, we're going to live with them. We're going to take their daughters to be our wives. We're going to give our daughters to their sons. And we're going to begin to serve their gods. That's compromise. Compromise never gets better. Let me say that again. Compromise never gets better. Compromise always gets worse. You can't compromise with sin. God can't tolerate it because he is holy. God is holy. So he doesn't tolerate sin. Nor does he expect us to tolerate it. Why? Because we are expected to be holy. The word of God says, be holy as I am holy. You are holy. Don't compromise in your life. Compromise with sin is a sign of failure to God. Don't compromise. In a lot of ways, this chapter in Judges should come as a stark warning to us. Especially in this modern age with all its distractions, broken morals, and our values that just seems to recede. If you're not careful, if we're not diligent, what happened to Israel will happen to us. God did not abandon Israel in Judges. He didn't. 
but he abandoned them to their sin. He gave them over to their sin. He didn't abandon them, but he gave them over to their sin. And we will find that's going to happen to us as well. If God gives you over to your sin, it means that you all you're going to do is wallow in your sin, going from one bad choice to another bad choice to another, till eventually you can't see the trees for the forest. Eventually Israel ceased to look like Israel and they resembled the Canaanites around them. Is that what's happening to you? Do you resemble the world more than you resemble Christ? Can people still see Christ in you? When they look at you, they say, do you know what? This is a man. This is a woman of God. Is that what they see in you? Or do they just see another person exactly like them? We're supposed to stand out. We're supposed to be the light of the world. That's what you, that's what you are. If you are born again, you are the light of the world. And that light has to be reflected in your life. Do not give a quarter to sin in your life. Do not allow attitudes in your life to go unchecked. Do not allow sin to go unaddressed or unrepented in your life. The Lord's promise is the same as it has always been. Your obedience is blessed. When you are obedient, to the word of God, when you're obedient to God, he blesses you. Why would you want to miss out on his blessing in your life by being disobedient? Why would you want to miss out on blessings? Allow God to be God in your life and allow God who has started perfect work in you. He has started, if you are born again, your spirit currently, your spirit is perfect. Your spirit doesn't need any more work done to it. It is perfect. The only thing that needs work is this outer shell. Our bad habits that we carrying for years, our bad thinking that we've carried for years. This is the thing that we have to work on. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. There's things only in your life that you can deal with. I can't deal with it. You know what you need to deal with. Deal with those things. If God says, cut it off, Cut it off. If God says step back for the season, step back for the season. If God says wait, then wait. Because the word of God says, they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. But we want to run ahead of God. We want to second guess God. Let's wait upon the Lord. Let's be obedient 
to the word of God. And let us finish what God has started in our lives. Amen.